What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Haley Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. Welcome back in, and it's the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you. Coming on a Thursday, and it's a big one for Penn State. First commitment for the 2021 recruiting class since October, and it's one that you have been waiting for. Landon Tengwall out of Good Council High School in Maryland, committing to the Nittany Lions. He was down to a final two, Notre Dame, Penn State, Michigan was involved for quite some time there. Dozens of offers over the course of his recruitment. It's been a long recruitment for the Nittany Lions. Way back in February 2018, they extended this scholarship. He was the first offensive lineman targeted in this cycle. And now it comes to fruition for Phil Troutwine, Tyler Bowen, James Franklin. The collective efforts of this staff has have paid off. A bunch of coverage up on the site right now. You'll get uh, some insight coming up from Brian Doan, national recruiting analyst who has been all over this recruitment uh, throughout its process. Uh, he'll give us his take on what this means for Penn State, what they're getting in Landon Tengwall, some other recruiting notes as well. But Sean, we've been waiting to see who the next commitment could be. Uh, doesn't get much better than this in terms of an addition. For, for If you're trying to fill in that blank, Landon Tengwall has been, been a big fish for a long time. Yeah, we've been waiting this recruitment out for a long, long time, not only on the commitment level, but just the the overall exposure level of Landon Tangwell. He came to Penn State as a uh, as an eighth grader um, and caught everybody's attention at the Big Man Challenge between his eighth and his ninth grade year uh, back when he was at uh, St. Vincent Pilate, where uh, Cam Sullivan Brown went, and then uh, transferred to Good Council. I mean, this kid has been sort of the one of the faces of the 2021 classes nationally since it originally came onto the scene. And, you know, from a Penn State perspective, I mean, it's it's a huge one. I mean, Tangwall's a, an offensive lineman, and we'll, we'll get into the scouting report a little bit later, but Tangwall's an offensive lineman that, uh, you know, is one of those rare guys that that's going to have the personality to be at the forefront of the class. Um, he's got some great relationships with some guys down in the DMV and I guess all over the country when you take into account um, you know, his uh, social media reach and presence and all that kind of stuff. So a big commitment for Penn State this is one they've been working on for a long, long time uh, through a couple of coaching changes. Of course, you know, Matt Lime Grover was here and Phil Troutwine came in and sort of took the ball and got rolling and, and, and really closed this one out. Beat out Notre Dame, which is obviously for any offensive line prospect, uh, Notre Dame carries with it a bunch of clout, and that that offer is tremendous in itself. But all over the country, I mean, this was a national-level kid for a long, long time. Dropped a little bit in the recent rankings, but still, I mean, he's a top 100 player. I mean, what else do you want? Uh, you know, This is a, a great win for Penn State, albeit an expected win for Penn State. That really doesn't matter at this point. Just to get back on the board, to get something rolling at the, at the position that they're in, to get back uh, into the to the mix of things. And, and and like I said before, Penn State's not the only one in this situation where they haven't been reeling in all the commitments. Not everybody's Ohio State or Clemson or anything like that. But 
Penn State, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a big day for them. And I think you can really feel that when talking to people in the program. This is one they've wanted for a long time and one they were able to track down and secure. And uh, this is a guy who, as you mentioned, as the cycle really just started to develop a couple of years ago, he was one of those names that you needed to know. Uh, and now he is the top-ranked member of this Penn State recruiting class. He is the third member of it as currently constructed. Liam Clifford, Sean's little brother out of Cincinnati, uh, could play defensive back, could play wide receiver, labeled as an athlete right now. He committed back in October. And then Nate Bruce out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a fellow offensive lineman projected to play guard. We'll talk again more about what Tangwall brings to the table a little bit later. Uh, but I know what he does bring. You talked about kind of stepping to the forefront of the class. Uh, a guy who has a presence you get some quarterback vibes in terms of a potential ringleader in a recruiting class I think this kid is going to be an elite peer recruiter I've been saying for a long time that whichever school landed him especially if it was earlier in the cycle is going to benefit greatly from his presence in the class Penn State figures to be that beneficiary I think this is a time that that is huge you know we're talking about still a massive stretch ahead to get to any time uh, any kind of signing periods so I think with Landon Tengwall on board, he is a guy who's going to tap into different parts uh, of the target board for Penn State, do some things that the staff simply isn't capable of doing, uh, and, and really get in some of those ears. And, and, and there's guys down there regionally that are going to be big with Landon Tengwall, but he is a national name. He's a national force. And assuming we get back on track with some of these camp circuits and showcase events later on, he figures to be invited to a lot of events as a senior, Sean, because of his prowess. And that means that he should have access to a lot of these guys in person as decisions are coming down to the end. And I, I think that really could be a massive a domino effect for Penn State as they try to build out this 2021 group. When we talked last week about uh, Penn State wanting him to, you know, just end it, he had those visits set up to Notre Dame for the end of the month and the beginning of next month. There was a Penn State visit sandwiched in between there and what was going to happen there. He was going to take those two visits. The first was unofficial to Notre Dame, then an unofficial to Penn State, then an official to Notre Dame. He would have eventually taken his official had he needed to use his official um, for, say, the blue-white game or something like that in April. That's what he would have done. But also they were hoping to save that visit for the end when he can come in and you know do, do the thing with the rest of the class. Penn State's felt pretty good about this one for a while, and I think it's it's been trending in that direction. Like I said, when we talked about it last week, this is sort of this this was already in motion. This was one of those things where Penn State didn't want him to wait it out. Uh, those visits, I mean, you, you don't want to make light of those visits to Notre Dame, but they were really fun visits for him. And and that's something that, uh, you know, I think Penn State was pretty well aware of, and that's why they felt so comfortable. So um, to get that sort of ball rolling, to get his name publicly out there as, as a commit, as a representative for this class, you know, really could spur some things. He's, he's got great relationships, guys like Dante Thornton and Tristan Lee and, and, and some of those other guys in that area. Um, you know, I don't know that this is the kid that's going to swing Caleb Williams, but still, I mean, any, any sort of, um, you know, public momentum that Penn State can take or can get, they're going to take right now. So, uh, big move from that uh, from that aspect. I believe he's a, an Army or former Army All American, All American game on NBC was at the Future Fifty um, earlier this year for for the Under Armour. So, I mean, this this is a kid with a national profile. Um, you know, and, and really good player. I mean, we, we kind of uh, have talked about all the off-field stuff, but you you take a look at him, 6'6", 300. He's number 45 in the composite, number one in Maryland. We have him a little bit 
bit lower. I think ESPN and I uh, and, and 24-7 Sports have him in the 70s there, which is, is certainly no slouch, but a little bit lower than that composite score. Um, to me, uh, you know, he's a guy, he's probably a right tackle for you. Uh, maybe not the most uh, athletic uh offensive line prospect in the country, but he brings a lot to the board, um, you know, as, as a player, I think his floor, um, is as high as any, uh, offensive lineman they've brought in for a long, long time. He's a guy that I, I said in my, we're, we're doing a 24 seven sports, uh, uh, team fantasy draft type thing on 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 the site this week. I drafted Tangwall in the sixth round. I also drafted two tackles. I said, hey, put Tangwall at guard. I think this is the uh, optimal spot for him. Uh, he's just a big guy, a, a really really strong guy. I think he could play guard or tackle, be a swing guy. Um, but ideally, you know, if you're landing the tackles that you want to land, and, and there's some good ones out there, and there's still some good ones out there for Penn State. Then you want to put Tangwall at guard. I think you know it, it's a it's a good decision to have to make if you're moving. You know if you have the opportunity to move Landon Tangwall to guard eventually. I think I think that's a six round steal for you, Sean. I've been following your uh, your fantasy draft there with the other analysts from twenty four seven Sports. I know I think you got what Tristan Lee in round one, round two was that? For yeah, I got you? I got Lee in round two. I got Wyatt Millam in round five. Those are my tackles, and then and then Landon Tangwall in six. And it's funny because the, the the room we're doing it in Slack, and the room was razzing me. He's like, "You better take Tangwall today because you know <laughs> it's uh, and and it's funny because Ryan Callahan, who our Tennessee uh, expert who's drafting right after me, told me he was going to take. Tangwall if I didn't so um, but uh, on the other hand they said if you don't take him your your sight might kill you so I, I, I went ahead I made the smart pick I made the hometown pick and I got a pretty good offensive line brewing if I don't say so myself yeah the trenches look good for you and with Tangwall um, you know I, man I can't think of many more safe and I know that that word can sometimes be viewed as a negative especially when we talk about NFL draft prospects and all those different buzzwords but like you said, the floor seems so high for him, and I think safe is is a, the word for me because mentally I think he's got it put together. I, I, that's been the indication really since I think the first time I spoke with him was his freshman year soon after that Penn State offer, and he has been steady, consistent with his approach throughout the process. His recruitment expanded in a huge way, and he has just been a straight shooter about everything. He hasn't really, you know, he hasn't led teams on, and he, he narrowed this focus pretty quickly, and that's not easy to to do especially something that he didn't have to do early in his junior year taking it down to three teams and more recently to the two teams um, I just think if, if things keep moving forward for him and he's able to stay healthy and, and get into Penn State's locker room and, and, and do what he's going to do in the next four or five years I see him as a future team captain maybe a multi-year team captain I think he's going to hold a lot of players accountable around him over the course of his career and you know we talked about Nick Dawkins being a class leader years past a guy like Jesse Lucchetta playing that kind of role to me he is an ideal in an ideal spot to be that guy for Penn State I know he's not their first commitment but you know number three is pretty early in the process and I just have a feeling we're going to be talking about him being a Pied Piper of sorts for the 2021 class I think that will carry over to his arrival on campus and uh, physically, this kid is, he's been put together for a long time. I remember speaking with him. He went from like a sixth grade wide receiver to, you know, pushing 300 pounds, I think, as a high school freshman. He had a huge growth spurt. He was eating a ton. Uh, and he's kind of like leveled out. And since then, it's just like he, 
he's he's just trimmed. I mean, this is a kid that looks like you know you don't have to bring him in and it's rec- forget about reclamation project, but you're pretty much working from that foundation and building it up right away. There's not going to be anything to shed from that frame. And considering he's already six foot six, three hundred pounds, I mean, Dwight Galt's got to be loving that situation. No doubt, no doubt. Um, he's got uh, a lot to work with. Like I said, the strength base on this kid is is kind of ridiculous. Uh, he's been uh, sort of a power lifter type kid for a long, long time, and and it's interesting. He's been on the radar so long. Um, you, you know, it's 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 so tiring of the pro- or the process was so tiring to him, and I think that's something that's uh, was not lost on this recruitment. Penn State kind of st- stayed steady. Um, other schools that that eventually rose to the top did the same, but really took some visits to to Alabama. I think he went down to Clemson. He went down to a bunch of of different schools. Wanted to play in the Big Ten. That's something that he kind of made clear with that uh, you know with that top three, or you, you kind of lump Notre Dame in there for, for geographical purposes, but uh, wanted to play that style of football and, and decided that that was, um, you know, really where he wanted to focus and didn't, you know, narrow that list down and then open that list up and do all that kind of stuff that you see the, some of these kids doing. So um, from that standpoint, I think you're pretty safe on this commitment. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it, it's such a big one for Penn State just to get back in. I mean, no disrespect to, to Liam Clifford and Nate Bruce, but um, you know, the, the, the sort of name recognition that you pick up with the Landon Tangwall, the sort of, uh, uh, national focus that can come on to Penn State with this. You get a couple of other guys looking, maybe get a little bit more, uh, comfort level for like those guys like Thornton that, uh, that, the, or Dante Thornton that we've talked about. So be interesting to see what, uh, what the ripple effect is of this. But on the surface, I mean, it's just a, a really good pickup for Penn State on the field. And, and really at a time that they could use some momentum, he came through. And, and, and that's what you want in one of your class leaders. Yeah, outside of perhaps Curtis Jacobs, I think when you when you line up who you've got committed in this class and who you landed in the 2020, uh, 2019 cycle, um, 2020 cycle, sorry, I'm getting my years messed up. I do think Landon Tengwall is probably up there with just about anybody. You know, you know Theo Johnson, Keandre Lambert, Keziah Holmes, certainly in that conversation. But I think Tengwall, outside of Curtis Jacobs, to me, projects maybe long-term as the top prospect of these two cycles. So we'll see moving forward. You want to talk about long-term potential? Caleb Williams has a lot of that. Penn State fans, he got that commitment on board. Now it's time to get greedy. Let's turn our attention to the number one quarterback recruit in the country. He is down to five universities. Penn State is among them. Caleb Williams also looking at Clemson, LSU, Maryland, and Oklahoma. Uh, he is out of Gonzaga Catholic uh, Gonzaga College High School uh, down in Washington, D.C., Maryland, uh, a local team there. And then obviously you look across the board. Oklahoma has churned out number one picks, Heisman Trophy winners. LSU just had the Heisman Trophy winner who's going to be the number one pick. And Clemson has the, pot- the potential and most likely number one pick next year. You see what Deshaun Watson is doing. That is some serious competition for Caleb Williams, but what else would you expect when you're targeting the top quarterback in America? No doubt about it, and this is one that uh, you got to be in it for the long haul. He's not going to be forced into making a decision. Now, granted, I, I think Oklahoma leads. I think Oklahoma's standing in a great spot right now. I think Garrett Nussmeyer, the, the quarterback that we've talked about out of Texas several times, who's got the Penn State offer, he's been up to Penn State a couple times, he seems to be trending heavily to, to LSU, so maybe you write LSU off a little bit here. Um, Clemson, it's it's going to be tough to bring in two top-flight quarterbacks. I mean, let's be honest, if anybody can, Clemson's one of those programs. But it's uh, it's going to be tough to uh, to do that back-to-back, to have the number one quarterback prospect in, in back-to-back classes, as they did with DJ or 
top two. I guess you can include him with Bryce Young last year, as they did with DJ last year. So um, it's, uh, you know, you don't want to say it's those guys are out of it, but, you know, there's other situations there. Maryland's a situation that's that's appealing to him for location. I know they really like Mike Loxley. I mean, can you put him in a winning situation there? Uh, That's going to be very, very tough, and that's pretty being pretty objective if you, if you look at what uh, they've got on the roster and what they've you know done over the last couple of uh, years but uh, that's uh, doesn't mean it's Penn State Oklahoma in, in that in that sense either I mean he's only been up to Penn State uh, a couple of times I think December was the last time he was up before that it was for a camp in June he was going to come up uh, after Easter for a, a day to get to to get around Kirk Shiraka and then of course we were expecting him back in in June for a camp of course everything like that is on hold right now so we, we, we will see where it goes with that. Um, you know, I think Penn State, as I've said, pretty much for the last year has been playing from behind, has a lot of work to do. They can get in there and slip in there and maybe find a loophole and get, uh, you know, get him back on campus and, and show him what he wants or find an opening, maybe more so than, than a loophole. Um, then, you know, maybe they've got a shot. I, I still see Oklahoma winning out in the end here, but, uh, this is a, this is a guy that's as good as it gets at the high school level. And you're going to have to battle for him every step of the way. Of course, Christian Ballou still out there. Penn State offered another quarterback late Wednesday night. So, um, it's obviously still, uh, quarterback very high on the priority list. Caleb Williams, of course, uh, you know, there's not too many schools that would not take Caleb Williams right now. No doubt about it. And and, and you mentioned that offer going out on uh, Wednesday night. Miller Moss um, at Bishop Alamany out in Mission Hills, California. Uh, that's a notable one because, you know, it's been a while since they offered a quarterback in that 2021 class. And we have kind of been focusing on just a few names. Nuss Meyer, although now that's moved on and, and Christian Veyu, of course, and, and Caleb Williams at the forefront. But now a new name to throw in there. Sean, you've got a story up on that. The question for me with Williams, and by the way, we made it about 16 minutes into the show without mentioning any kind of coronavirus impact, but that's exactly what will keep Caleb Williams from making that visit in April and potentially later into the summer with the seven on seven stuff. But he's been pretty tight lipped about a timeline. Quarterbacks aren't necessarily the ones to drag on the process into say December or or into an All-America event in January what's the read that you get Sean on on when Caleb Williams may want to pull the trigger on a decision because uh, clearly you want to get a quarterback in that class as early as possible and and based on what we know about the position and the track record of, of college football recruiting that is very rarely one that again leads to late drama in the cycle. Well, he talked to 24-7 Sports Steve Wilfong this week, and he said he the, the, they want to take three of their five official visits, which on the current calendar, not taking into account when they'll come back or anything like that, I mean, you're thinking taking a couple of visits in June and then maybe July is when you um, have an opportunity to make a decision, maybe get that out of the way before going into the season. That's the way I see it. I would see it playing out in a typical situation, but they're taking their time. They, they, they've made it very clear that nobody's going to force their hand. Nobody's going to come out and, and dictate when they have. I mean, let's be honest. He's the top quarterback in the country. He's got the chips right now, and and that's uh, that's something that he can dictate, and that's going to have a ripple effect on the rest of those guys. Uh, of course, you you know, Veyu, there's really not much overlap. Penn State's in it, of course. Uh, Clemson is a school that he's been talking to that has not offered yet. So, you know, it, it could be one of those situations where he's one of those guys that's up when uh, if Williams comes off the board, goes to Oklahoma or something like that, um, you know, maybe before everybody expects him to. 
Um, but uh, no, I don't think it's. I don't think there's a timetable on it at all. They've they, they've made that fairly clear, and and they've made that clear to schools as well. That's not just something that they're telling, um, you know, twenty four seven sports analysts and things of the like. So be interesting to see where this goes. They, they offered Miller or Penn State offered Miller Moss on Wednesday evening. Um, to me, I, I I don't think that's one that really moves the. You know, I think the the automatic. Uh, ref- reflection on that is going to be like, okay, what's what's wrong with Caleb Williams? What's wrong with with Christian Veiu? I mean, this isn't a guy in the region, so it's kind of different when you're talking about offer status and things like that. And also, I mean, it's not exactly like he's a diamond in the rough. The kid's a top 100 prospect, uh, Under Armour All American, uh, Elite 11 finalist. When that you know still exists, um, so I mean, it's uh, it's it's not exactly just going out and finding a guy because you're looking for a guy. I think there's the maybe they made contact with him or made contact excuse me with somebody in his camp and and all of a sudden maybe there's some interest there and and see what happens with an, with an offer going out. The kids uh, he can throw the ball. I mean he threw for over 3000 yards last year, uh 38 touchdowns I believe. So, um you know, it's it, like I said they they didn't go out and find some scrappy young diamond in the rough that uh, all of a sudden they know about and everybody else doesn't. So I don't think the timing of this offer really has much to do with with the other guys on the board. But hey, maybe it catches Christian Veiu's eye and, and he says, okay, well they're still looking at other quarterbacks. Maybe maybe I need to get this thing done. So I don't think that'll happen. But uh, it's certainly that, that it wouldn't be the first time that something like that happened. One more wrinkle to note in the the offer for Miller Moss. What it means, I'm not sure, but he is the first 2021 quarterback to receive a Penn State offer since Kirk Shiraka took over as offensive coordinator. So just something to tuck under under your hat there. Uh, a couple other blue chip recruits putting out top lists. We'll go over these ones uh, quickly. Brandon Campbell out of Texas, a four-star running back prospect. He's down to six. He told Steve Wiltfong that Penn State is standing out among that six, along with Southern Cal and LSU. And additionally, a Plantation High School down in Fort Lauderdale. They've got a receiver, Jacoby George. A, lot of, a really fun highlight film to watch. We've got a, a stories up on both these guys up on the site. He is focused in on Penn State, Central Florida, uh, Georgia Tech, Miami, West Virginia. What's interesting about this recruitment, Sean, he was previously committed to Taylor Stubblefield for, I think, five or six months with the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, when he decommitted, he specifically pointed out Stubblefield to thank him. Uh, Miami's still in the mix, but Stubblefield has a new home now in Happy Valley, and that has caught the attention of Georgia. Uh, he picked up his offer from Penn State about two weeks after Stubblefield was hired here. Yeah, he's got that connection, and that's something you're looking for when you're talking about uh, you know, potential targets, especially outside the region. And you've got Jacoby George here. You've got Brandon Campbell in Texas. Of course, Jaywon Sider in on both of those. And you know, you, we know what kind of recruiter he can be. I think I think Campbell is, is interesting in itself. I mean, you take a look at Penn State's running back board, really maybe not shaping up the way that you thought it would. You go out of uh, out of the region. Uh, of course, what I mean by that, of course, Trevion Henderson trending to Ohio State, Evan Pryor committing to Ohio State. You go out of the region and see what you can get. Brandon Campbell's a guy that's been interested for a while, almost took a visit last fall. It kind of fell apart at the end uh, due to some travel things. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's certainly interested. A lot of schools are, are you know, certainly uh, high on the kid. Uh, I'm curious how he stacks up nationally among running backs. I know he's tested very well, and that's something that, you know, Penn State puts a lot of stock in. But uh, we'll see what he does with his on-field production. But I think Brandon Campbell, one of the more realistic guys, uh, he's been one of the guys that I've been watching for a long time at running back. Uh, of course, you thought, you know, maybe they could slip in there with Pryor, one of those guys. But uh, Campbell's been a guy that's been on the radar maybe longer than we've been talking about him, you know, on the podcast. 
And if you're looking at a spot where you can maybe swipe away a player from out of the region, a star from out of the region, running back certainly probably at the top of the list right now uh, for Penn State. Uh, we're going to roll on in the show. Uh, you're going to hear from Brian Doan in just a moment, 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst, talk about the Tengwall uh, commitment, the uh, Caleb Williams situation, and more on the recruiting trail. Uh, we're also going to get into James Franklin's first Q&A since the coronavirus put sports on the back burner. Additionally, we'll talk about some of these roster updates we got a new peek at the penn state personnel situation all coming your way in just a moment but first a word from our sponsors welcome back to the lions 24 7 podcast i'm sean fitz of course as promised here is 27 sports brian doan joining us from new jersey on this commitment day for landon tangwall it's been one we've been waiting for for a long time it's been one that uh finally got across the line for the nittany lions so first off what do you think of uh of tangwall yeah look he's a kid i really like a lot i mean that's why we have him in the top hundred he's a kid that to me you can play right tackle you can play the interior guard positions um He's a really smart kid. I'm not ruling out left tackle, but I, I just want to see a little more flexibility, a little bit more um, just ability to cover the edge, and that's something that he could develop. But I, I think it's a it's a huge pickup for Penn State. It's a pickup that everybody expected, but you still want to get it over the finish line, you know. And to me, uh, he's kind of the offensive lineman that Penn State fans have been waiting for Penn State to land for for a while and and if you're Penn State you hope this is just the beginning of what could happen in a nice offensive line class it's been years I mean we Tyler and I talked about that earlier I mean he's been on the radar since after his eighth grade season you mentioned when we were talking off here that you talked to him and you went back and you checked out your articles from when they were offered and you know it just kind of always seemed like Penn State even when it looked like Notre Dame had made a big impression it seemed like Penn State was always the place that he was looking you know for a reason to go to I, I agree, and I go back to he he was going into his ninth grade year, season between summer between eighth and ninth grade when he was at St. Vincent Pilate. A, a lot of people don't realize that he he spent a year there, um, and he was always a guy on the radar. And I give James Franklin a ton of credit because there's not a lot of times that you'll walk up to an eighth grader and hold a conversation with him at camp, but he knew that Tangwell had a really high ceiling, and that's where the relationship started. You know, he was Franklin spending some time after that camp with him. And, and in that camp, by the way, he was named one of the three MVPs on the offense, which also told you Penn State really liked him because otherwise you don't do that. But, yeah, I mean, it, it just seems to have gone on for a while. And I looked back and he's been the campus you know, Fitz, he may have been there more than you when you were taking classes there. I don't know how much remote stuff you did, but he's been on campus a lot. Well, I didn't do remote stuff, but that still may be true. I, am, <laughs> I was a journalism major after all. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we were talking, I remember talking to you probably a year or so ago, and uh, you were talking about what his criteria was, and he was already tiring of the process. And you mentioned that he, he you said something that stuck out to me. It's like, he told you that he wanted to get back to campus and actually work out with the coaches that he would be um, eventually playing for. And the one visit, the one camp that he had in mind was to work out with Matt Limegrover at Penn State. And that seems to, that that's something that's always struck a chord with me. And it's one of those things that you don't really think of much at the time. But then all of a sudden, looking back, you know, it kind of makes sense. And, and like we said, I, I think he was looking for maybe a reason not to go to Penn State. And he didn't find it. And now all of a sudden he's a, he's a Nittany Lion. 
Yeah, and and I, I think he knows the program so well. I mean, I always joke with kids like him, like, have they given you a key yet to, like, the, the Lash building or anything because you're there so much. But, yeah, as you get there and it just becomes familiar and it just becomes a foregone conclusion you're going to get there. And even when he was talking about making a visit to Michigan or going back to Notre Dame, it, it just – when you talk to him about those schools and then you talk to him about Penn state, it was always different. And, you know, he's really close with his dad. And I always thought, you know, Penn state's far enough away to where, you know, you get that separation. But I think it was really important or is really important to him to have family come watch him play as much as possible. And I think that factored into it as well. But all that said, the biggest thing is, he thinks that he can help Penn state get to that next level. And he has a ton of belief in James Franklin. I remember down at future 50 when, when they decided to let Matt Lyme Grover go and didn't really have an offensive line coach. He said it didn't matter as much to him as he really learned about the process because he understands that a position coach may not be there for your whole time. And it was more the feel of the kids in the program, which is huge, right? You want to make sure that you get along with those those kids. And you also saw the belief in James Franklin. And listen, Lennon Tangwell has been on the radar so long. He understands the process. Yes, he tired of it. But he's also a very mature kid when it came to looking at things throughout the process. And he he understood not only Penn State was a great fit, but he really felt comfortable there. He's been on the, the radar so long. I went back this morning and looked to see if Herb Hand was the offensive line coach whenever <laughs> he he came on. Um, beyond that, uh, Phil Troutwine came in in January, and immediately you were down at F- Future 50, I think when the news broke or sometime right was, around there. I, I, and, it was, I found out about a half hour before I talked to Landon Tangwell. Yeah. Yeah, and he was uh, effusive in his praise for for Troutwine, and Troutwine seemed to have taken the ball and run with it. And, you know, obviously he's uh, – you know, he's a big fan of this commitment, but uh, how, how much of an impact can, can that have not only on Tangwell or did it have on Tangwell, but how much of an impact can that have moving forward as Penn State continues to try and build out from from the inside with this class? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So so two things. It had a big impact with Tangwell because if he didn't think highly of the coach, he wasn't going to go play for him. I don't care what you say. You still want to go play for a coach that you like. And he liked Lime Grover too. So, you know, I think if Lime Grover was the offensive line coach, I still think Tangwell goes to school at Penn State. Now, what you want with Troutline is the next level guy. You know, can you get Tristan Lee, you know, out of Virginia, a five-star offensive lineman? What can you do with stuff like that? And and just can you build on this saying, okay, we have Tangwell in place. Here we go. Let's get the next guy. And that's what Phil Troutwine's there to do. When he was at Boston College, he was known as A, a guy that can evaluate offensive line talent really well, and B, a guy that can recruit the offensive line well. Now, when he was working for Steve Adazio there, that was kind of Adazio's thing. Adazio knew offensive linemen, and so he had that backing from his head coach. And I'm not going to, you know, obviously James will have the backing, but he doesn't have the same offensive line expertise that maybe Adazio did. So Troutwine's there, I mean, yeah, to make them better on the field, but he's there to get better prospects committed to Penn State for the future. From that or on that note, uh, Tangwall is very visible. Has been a guy that's been on the radar for for a long, long time. Um, he's not afraid to reach out to recruits publicly. He's also done so uh, privately. 
guys like Dante Thornton, you mentioned Tristan Lee. How much of an impact can his personality have on this class, which obviously, you know, as we talked about before, you know, the, the momentum hasn't been there, but this could be, you know, this could be something to, to build off of. No, it could be something to build off of. And, and I don't, I think we'll talk about two different things, and maybe we just view it differently. The personality, yeah, he's got it there. He's a very um, charismatic guy, and he, he'll he's really comfortable holding conversations, even if they're difficult conversations. But the bigger thing to me is it's the credibility aspect of it. Everybody down in his area, the DMV, knows that he's a stud offensive lineman, and he's going to say, okay, hey, come play with Tristan Lee. Let's go. We can be the bookends on that offensive line. Uh, come join me there. We'll get to the Big Ten Championship. He can say to quarterback Caleb Williams, hey, I know everybody's talking about Oklahoma and all this stuff, but you said you wanted to get up to Penn State. I'd really like to protect you for the next three or four years. Hey, you know, you can say to Thornton, you know, the receiver out of, out of Baltimore, Mount St. Joseph, hey, wouldn't it be great to have Caleb throw to you? Cause we know we're going to give Caleb the time to throw. Let's go. Let's get you in the, in the mix there. And, and he can do all that and he has the built in relationships. And then it goes back to what you said before. Um, you look at, he's been on the radar for so long. Everybody knows who he is. I, I was talking to two coaches down in the DMV on Wednesday and we were talking about, you know, whatever. And they're all like, all right, so where's Tangwell going? What's Tangwell going to do? How close is he to a decision? And they were all curious on it because, you know, does it impact even a guy like Jalil Farouk, who's at Wise High in Upper Marlboro, who, you know, knows Tangwell as well also? Is that is that a trust thing? And and I know you've, you've seen this so much. And when, when schools go long periods of time without picking up uh, commitments, it seems to be a hey, what's, what's, the, what's everybody else holding off for and, and how does that impact my decision? Is there a trust thing where if he jumps on board or now that he has jumped on board, you can look at it as another prospect and say, okay, he, maybe he did see what I was seeing in the first place and, and, and I'm not seeing a waterfall coming or anything like that, but that's got to help Penn State. No, it does help Penn State. And I think, I think you're right on the money with it. Kind of, you know, we always talk about building momentum and recruiting. And now all of a sudden, Everybody down in that area and in other places in the country, but especially down in that area today is looking at it going, okay, well, wait a minute. He went to Penn State, and so they're going to start paying attention a little bit. And so now's the time for Penn State to, you know, listen, the coaches have nothing to do but time to recruit across the country right now. So it's time for Penn State to, you know, make sure they get on the horn with these guys and, and DM and text and all that other stuff and kind of reinforce it. And yeah, I mean, I think it also is like, okay, yeah, there, that is Penn state. They are still Penn state. They went and got one of the best players from down here. Um, yeah, they can still get, you know, pull those big dudes out of this area. Yep. That makes sense. Uh, big dudes in that area, Caleb Williams, we spoke about him in the first segment. Um, as I said to Tyler, I don't believe Landon Tengwall is the guy that uh, flips Caleb Williams thinking <laughs> or mindset or anything like that, but he came out with a top five this week. So we obviously have to talk about him. Yeah. I mean, listen, you look at it and so he's the quarterback from the other segment, you know, Washington DC Gonzaga and, you know, Maryland, LSU, Clemson, Oklahoma, Penn state, everything points to Oklahoma right now. Which I get, and that's fine. And here we are with Oklahoma um, on March 26th, and there's a long way to go before it. And the important thing with Caleb Williams is he wants to make visits. 
you know, the coronavirus shutting down visits really impacts him and can really impact programs in terms of wanting to get a quarterback because if he wants to get to Oklahoma before he makes a decision again or LSU or Penn State or Maryland or Clemson, well, can, does Penn State sit there and wait for him? Do they try to move more on Christian Velo out of the Bullis School down in Maryland? Um, you know, what does Clemson do in terms of do they wait for him? So there's a lot of things that fall after Caleb Williams does something and it could turn into just a patience thing on you just got to wait, wait it out, wait it out. And will schools that are in his top five that maybe aren't in a strong position like Penn State, will they say, okay, listen, it's a long shot. We know we can get this other guy who, by the way, we also like a bunch. I mean, you know, Caleb Williams is an elite player and one of the top players in the country. By no means does that mean Christian Velo is not a good player. You and I talked about it before. I think he's a really good quarterback who is getting better and really had a nice junior season and has size and good arm strength and accuracy. And so he's a really good quarterback. And if, if Penn State were to get him, I wouldn't consider it a settle at all. I think he's a really good player. But you want to see, you know, are schools going to be patient or are they going to wait for Caleb Williams to make a decision before they move with quarterbacks? And because you can't visit anywhere, it can make it you, – you can be a little more patient if you want to, but you just have to be careful that somebody else isn't squeezed and saying, hey, you're not going to be able to get all these visits. Just come to our place anyway. Well, I think for for Caleb Williams, when it comes down to it, I mean – it looked like he was a Georgia lock for a time. It looked like LSU was the team for a time. And he does a very good job of playing things up on, on social media. And he's having a good time with it, no doubt. And uh, But, I mean, it's just one of those things where anything really can happen. It's just you mentioned the patience is so key in this situation. Again, I still think Oklahoma is a school. Um, but it, it, it's really a fascinating situation. The patience is one thing. The visits are another thing. Penn State has been, you know, it's been so integral to their success and recruiting and getting kids on campus and getting kids on campus early repeatedly. Now that the shutdown is here, um, where do you see this, this, I guess, affecting Penn state more than less than equal to other schools in that regard, because getting those guys to campus sometimes is a little harder than, than most, but sometimes it's, it's, or oftentimes it's so important for them. Yeah. Listen, the thing with Penn state is, I mean, it's known, right? It's, it's, it's not an easy place to get to. Right. It's not like there's an airport right next to it. You can fly in from all over the country. It's a long drive. It's a winding drive. Um, And so kids getting them to campus sometimes is the toughest part because once they get there, they love it. Like I was talking to a parent of of a high level recruit the other day and, you know, who Penn State's in in good standing with. I'm I'm not going to get into it because I don't think it's fair for the point of the story but he's like yeah man if they didn't have the creamery there i don't know if i'd ever go back there but my my kid loves it and because of that you know there's a chance we're going to spend a lot of saturdays there um to me that was you know that that's interesting that once they get to campus they feel comfortable and it's like man this place feels like home there's no place like it the coaching staff still does an unbelievable job in recruiting. And I know people get frustrated that maybe they don't have the the star power of like an Ohio State class. But I'm just saying, in all the kids I deal with and all the families I deal with, the only place that 
mirrors what the Penn State coaches do in terms of making people feel comfortable as a high-level recruit is Clemson. I mean, the Penn State coaches do an unbelievable job, and it's the lead of James Franklin. And, you know, like I said, it may not go the, the way you want, but to me, they put in so much work and in such a good way that, you know, Getting them to campus is that important because that's where their personalities really shine. I'm going to send you out of here with people uh, thinking highly of you on that high note, uh, but don't <laughs> appreciate having you on. Um, you know, we, we we love to have you at the site at, at Lions 24-7. I'm sure you will be stopping by quite frequently uh, after the Tangwall commitment. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been great to have you on once again. I know people always enjoy your insight on the, on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Hey, I appreciate it. Moving on from the recruiting trail to the current Penn State roster, there was a spring update. No spring practice, but we've got a new look at this 2020 Penn State roster. It's the first update uh, since the start of preseason camp last year. And Sean, uh, a couple of notable things that we have discussed during the offseason uh, Mac Hippenhammer, we have an answer. He is no longer on the Penn State football roster. You reported out that he's going to be shifting focus to baseball full-time. Wish him well in that endeavor. He was set to be a redshirt junior on the football field, a guy who looked like potentially ready to make a spring uh, springboard last year out of the 20, 2019 season. It did not happen for him. Um, the wide receiver group loses a veteran, uh, but a guy who did not accomplish much on the field. And then Trent Gordon shifting over from cornerback to safety. Saw some pretty good time last year at the cornerback spot. Um, he is making that transition. It's one that you speculated uh, about for a while. That was educated speculation, and it turns out uh, to be the call that Penn State staff makes. Throwing speculation my way. Come on now. <laughs> That's why um, I had to throw Trent in the Gordon. educated speculation. <laughs> Trent Gordon's a pretty good football player, so um, this this move should surprise no one. Actually, James Franklin, I went back and looked at media day last year. James Franklin talked about he could be a corner or a safety, so not a surprise. Hip and Hammer, uh, we've been telling the people on, 24, on Lions 24-7 for a uh, month or two that he wasn't coming back. So um, not not a surprise there from that aspect. Uh, of course, numbers at the wide receiver position is always something that you're going to, you know, sort of play with and, and, and try and figure something out. But, you know, it became pretty apparent last year that Hip and Hammer probably wasn't going to, to, to work his way into the future plans. He had some drops. He had some issues. Um, it really, you know, you could... Probably, if you were forecasting this one back in December, you probably could have said maybe he's not on the roster next year. He's going to go play baseball and and continue try to continue his baseball career whenever that may start up again. Um, in terms of what stood out uh, from weight fluctuation, as you'd expect, a lot of big gainers since last August, and um, the running back room pops out right immediately. Journey Brown up to two sixteen, that's t- plus ten pounds. Devin Ford at two hundred. That's plus six. And Noah Kane, this is a big one, 223 now. That's plus 17 pounds. These are not weight. This is not weight they've put on since the Cotton Bowl. This is weight since the last roster update. Want to make that clear. Um, but you know, running back room getting bigger, a very talented group. And then I think when you look across the board at some of these young defensive linemen, three of them from the 2019 recruiting class, Hakeem Beeman at tackle, now up to 6'3", 288. He's up almost 30 pounds. Joseph Darkwa, who came over from Germany last year, 6'5", 287 at tackle that's plus 15 smith vilbert plus 13 he's now six foot six 266 and then adiza isaac just continues to grow a kid who camped before his senior year i think he was what 205 uh by the time he enrolled he was about 
220. Now he's at 256. Um, that's plus 15 for him. So again, you like what's developing in that defensive line room. All of these guys have a lot to prove. I think Adiza Isaac ahead of the curve in that group, but uh, the numbers are, are, are showing up for Dwight Gull in that weight room and what they're doing nutrition-wise. We may have overlooked that 2019 defensive line. Uh, we talked about them a bunch, of course, when they signed, because that's what we do. We well, we only talk about Penn State, but uh, Beeman, they're really excited about. Adisa Isaac, you know, has a, has a real chance to start and, and be very good this year. And uh, Smith Vilbert, maybe not on that level yet, but physically, I mean, maybe the most impressive of, of the three. So um, that's a that's a pretty good starting starting point for John Scott Jr. He's got a lot to work with there. Uh, you move over to the offensive line, Anthony Wick. Wiggins put on 19 pounds. A lot of that is lower body. We saw him uh, at the, the the squat max day, um, maybe close to 100 pounds more for the same amount of reps on the squat. I mean, this is a kid that really needed to develop his lower body. He's done so in the last year. He's back at guard. We're going to see if he can compete uh, for an open spot this year. Or you know, he's got two years left. I think that's something we forget about Anthony Wiggins. He's a junior college kid. He came in, so you got to think he's on the on the line with Brisker. But that redshirt year was very good for him, and he's got two years to, to chance to break in. Guys who would have been considered lanky may still be a little bit lanky, but less so now. John Dunmore up 10 pounds to six foot one, 191 at wide receiver. And then Joey Porter Jr., you know, that we talked about the wingspan that he brings to cornerback, six foot two, 192 pounds. That's a 10 pound gain uh, since the start of last season. So we have a full review of, of the weight changes, uh, what stood out about the freshman classes, initial physical measurements, their first jersey numbers, all that stuff up on the site, lines247.com. Some interesting freshman numbers just to go through very quickly. Theo Johnson, this is impressive. Of six foot six, two forty nine at tight end. Kaziah Holmes' speed is a huge part of his game, but he's 5'11", 208 pounds, impressive physical stature. Keandre Lambert, six foot one, one hundred eighty four pounds, maybe a little bit bigger than some people anticipated. And Bryce Mustella, a guy who's six foot six, uh, bordering on six foot seven, perhaps he's two hundred and forty one pounds. He has talked about uh, on this podcast how important it is for him to gain weight. He continues to make strides. So uh, early look at the freshman Franklin spoke with us, uh, Sean, and this was a unique situation. We were on Zoom. Um, you saw all the reporters' faces, everybody's beautiful faces out there across this beat uh, on Wednesday afternoon, and, and it was a somewhat a return to normalcy in the fact that we were talking with James Franklin, but to kind of show our listeners how it was not normal, we had 45 minutes with James Franklin, and the depth chart was not mentioned once, because obviously there is an overarching theme for Franklin, for college football right now, it is the coronavirus and the impact on college football. This was not your average conversation. Franklin, uh, like many of us, he, he is chilling with the family right now. He's spending a lot of time on his computer trying to manage a huge, huge organization with Penn State football. Uh, but like us, he is sequestered to his home, uh, currently out, uh, 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 out of Happy Valley right now with his family. And uh, keeping the team on a page is a challenge. He said 157 folks were on a team meeting virtually last time they got everyone together. They were supposed to do that again yesterday. Players are scattered across the country. Their well-being is a priority for them. Not everybody has the same home situation. Some guys are sleeping on couches. They got to make sure guys are eating what they need to eat. Weights are not available to everybody.
everybody. So they're sending out a lot of body weight work and and just trying to piece this thing together. Uh, he, he admitted it. They're going to lose stuff from this situation. They will be challenged from this situation. They've got a new offensive coordinator. His relationship with the quarterbacks, his relationship with the overall offense when you're not on the field, uh, that's a detriment. But as he says, if you're a well-run organization, you need to find a way and come out of this thing uh, ahead of others because he said everybody's going to take a step back because of the circumstances. A couple things. A Zoom call with the Penn State beat is as terrifying as you would think it is. Um, and number two. Full video, by the talk- way, on Lawn 24-7 Sports if you want to get to know some of these faces. God bless you if you do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – and if you and if you want to also, number two, if you want to talk – football actual football and i know that's not the the focus here and everything we've we've been putting up notebooks every day on 24 7 sports uh about penn state's you know what what would have looked like going in the spring and i know that's sort of hindsight and and speculation and stuff like that but we've you know we've talked to quite a few people in the program to put these things together so i do suggest you check them out number three of course is the important stuff it's tough to say what what direction they're going to go in this and you're right they are going to lose some things from it but they also have to figure out how to embrace some stuff i think it's going to be interesting from a recruiting standpoint how much you can talk to these kids, how that changes your day-to-day thing. You can't get these guys on campus, which of course is an integral part of Penn State's pitch for a lot of these guys. So so they're held back in that regard. But how, how do you embrace this? How do you move forward in this uh, from a recruiting t- standpoint, from a team standpoint? It's going to say a lot about you know what these teams are going to look like coming out of this, uh, this little break that we're having right now. So uh, very curious to see how they handle things. It seems like uh, you know they've got some sort of system in place, but I think they're uh, a lot of times learning on the fly as well. So just a very uh, unique situation or completely unique situation. And it's it was great to get some insight in terms of how they're handling things and how they're moving forward. Um, he just kept try- saying finding the hidden gems and trying to embrace the technology. There's a lot of uh, bullet points that you could jot down from this thing, but uh, yeah, it's pretty fascinating all in itself. I jotted down a bunch of them on Wednesday night. We got a story up uh, breaking down the, the biggest you know takeaways from this conversation with Franklin. Check that out up on the site. You can see the full 45-minute video up on the site. Uh, focusing long-term, Franklin you know, admitted they got to figure out what logistically how much time do they need to prepare a football program for kickoff. If they're going to kick off in September, do they need 30 days, 45 days, 60 days? Uh, they want to make sure their players are in the right situation. So he's got a sports scientist, school administrator, Athletic Director Sandy Barber, and he made it clear he understands how important this Penn State football program is for the state college economy, uh, the hotels, the restaurants, the bars, everybody who is reliant upon these home games in Happy Valley uh, for a huge, sizable portion of their financial gain over this over the course of an entire year. He knows what's at stake here. He knows what's at stake for the university and revenue from football. So uh, there's a lot in play and a lot beyond his control. And for someone who is control of so much and very meticulous it's a challenge for James Franklin additionally he did suggest we have a story up on this as well that the NFL draft should be postponed he's adding to a a growing number of voices there because including general managers because there's no pro days there's no in-person contact that makes things tricky as of now the NFL plans to go forward April 23rd uh, kicking off its draft we'll see if things changed and it adds to the list of postponements Sean I'm about to be evicted from this office you and I are both sharing home uh, working situations with our wives so the the dynamics have changed anything else to add here before we wrap it up no i'm just i'm trying to get you out of here so you don't get (laughs) evicted um now that's pretty much it uh you know we're gonna skip our positivity this week now yeah Uh, yeah. uh, go out there support your local grateful uh, for my wife 
Yes, no <laughs> doubt. Uh, go out there, support your local businesses. Um, you know, there's a lot of great uh, stuff, especially here in State College that, uh, you know, are doing some good things. So I do encourage you to do that while everyone's locked at home. All right, so that's it from us. We'll be back next week. Plenty on the site on Landon Tangwall's commitment, on James Franklin's Q&A, and on the latest with Penn State recruiting targets. Go check it out. On behalf of Sean Fitz, thanks as always for tuning in to the Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll talk to you soon.